You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. I'm your host, Mason Choate, joined as always by Andrew Hutchinson and Alex Trader of Hogbeat.com. Uh, I encourage you to go visit Hogbeat.com for all of the best Razorback athletics coverage in the business. Guys, we got football this weekend. We've got the spring scrimmage. It's not technically a spring game. It's I guess it's just an open practice to the public, and uh, they're going to have Hogfest before it, and then you can get into Razorback Stadium, watch the Hogs scrimmage. It's going to be at 11 on Saturday. Hutch, You've been out at practice. Anything that you're looking for specifically from this Saturday, or do you think it's just kind of going to be a we're just going to watch them scrimmage and see what happens? Well, first, I want to make sure everyone understands that this is this is not going to be your, your typical red-white spring game that we're all we're, we're used to. Um, this is basically going to be an open practice. Uh, I Sam Pittman called it a scrimmage the other day when we talked to him, but you're going to be very disappointed if you go out there expecting a true scrimmage uh, because the the starters are probably not going to tackle. You're probably going to have, you know, rock. I mean, of course, the quarterbacks are never live, so you're never going to have to worry about, you know, K.J. Jefferson getting tackled or anything. But, I mean, even, you know, Keytron Jackson, if he catches a pass, they're not going to tackle him to the ground. They're going to thud is what they call it. Um, so it's going to be kind of – and I don't think they're – I think I heard the other day that they're not going to be tracking stats either. So it's going to be really hard to get stats from this. Plus, it's hard – how do you distinguish between a five-yard run by Rocket Sanders versus a – well, would he have broken that tackle? Would, would that guy made the tackle? Um, would have been really pretty tough. Um, so you're going to see some tackling with the threes. So if you really want to get excited and watch – you know, some, some walk-ons and true freshmen that you're probably not going to see, you'll tackle to the ground, you know, you'll probably get a healthy dose of JJ Hollingsworth and Caden Hindley and, you know, some guys like that. So you, that's cool. Like we get to look at those guys live, but uh, so to, to answer your question, I'm not super excited. <laughs> I'm not super excited about this. I really am not because, because of those factors. And, and plus there's no, quarterback controversy we know kj jefferson is the dude uh, so it's not like a thing where we can you know make super quick hot takes like oh my gosh so and so is definitely the starting quarterback um it, it's pretty we pretty much know and, and the, the positions that are still kind of up in the air like okay how's the wide receiver going to sh- room going to shake out well we're not going to get to see them tackled and, and things like that so it's still going to be pretty tough to to really have any major takeaways from this the 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 best biggest scrimmage of the, the spring was back on april 2nd uh, on that saturday which was completely closed to the media uh so it, it's it kind of like okay well we're not really going to get to learn much really so temper your expectations if you're going to make it out there still cool to see the razorbacks and, and get to see them on the football field after you know a really awesome season in 2021 uh but it's it's not going to be anything like what you're used to seeing on a on a spring game so I don't think a lot of people understood the fact that it is going to be kind of an open practice, like you said. Uh, a lot of people reach out to me say, when's Arkansas spring game? Don't they have the spring game this Saturday? And I'm like, well, not exactly. That's not really what's going on. So maybe explain why they went with more of an open practice than a spring game, or do you even know? I mean, you're not inside the athletic department. 
So there's there's several factors here at play, and I'm, I'm going to attempt to write a story about this and have it up on Friday on hogbeat.com uh, to hopefully better explain this. So one, spring ball actually doesn't end on Saturday. They actually have another week of practices next week, three more practices. Their last practice is on the 23rd, which is traditionally when you would do the spring game. One problem with that, a guy named Garth Brooks is going to be in Fayetteville and putting on a concert inside Razorback Stadium. So it's going to be really tough to, to get a you know, spring game in when that's going on. And I've heard that uh, the Garth Brooks people, the people that do the concert, uh, they need like starting like Friday. They need the entire area pretty much to themselves to get set up, which I imagine it's probably a pretty uh, intensive thing. Uh, so that that's one reason. Uh, two, I also don't think coaches really like spring games like back in the day, maybe they, they liked it, but like now it's just, it's all just a show. I mean, you, you get to be on TV and I, I don't think this weekend's is actually on real TV. I think it's on sec plus. So you're going to have to stream it if you really want to watch the, uh, the open practice. Um, and that that's kind of what I think they don't want to have any other opportunities for their starters to get hurt. You know, coaches are paranoid. They also don't want to put anything on film for opposing coaches. Uh, so there, there's all sorts of stuff that went into it. And I think Garth Brooks just gave them the perfect excuse not to have a traditional spring game. I'm, I'm very curious to see if moving forward in years when there's not a major concert going on inside Razorback Stadium, if they're going to go back to, you know, the traditional red-white game that we're, we're used to. Alex, what's your opinion on spring games? I mean, I feel like it's always nice to be able to watch the team, you know, scrimmage and see some of the players that you've been seeing in practice, see what they look like in somewhat of a game, but you don't get to see that this weekend. So would you rather see them scrimmage? I mean, you're not the coach, so you don't get to make the decision, but. I mean, as a football fan, I'd always want to see more football. Um, it, it is tough though, because you don't, don't want your guys to get hurt. And a lot of times in these spring games, you do see guys getting injured and getting dinged up. And having things that, you know, even if it doesn't seem major, they can have a nagging injury that sticks with them all season and kind of kind of hampers their, their season and hampers their expectations. Um, like Hutch said, it's a lot of fun when there's a, like a quarterback battle or when you're looking at a different position group and seeing, hey, this guy can get wide open or this guy can lock down on the outside. Um, but But it doesn't mean anything. I mean, the coaches are seeing everything that you're going to see in the spring game every single practice when they're running their drills. Um, I've seen on Twitter, you know, for a couple of weeks now, as, as we're going through spring, spring game season, that there should be some kind of like inner squad aspect to it. Would it not be fun to see Arkansas play a team from the Pac-12, play a team from the Big 12, play a team from the, S or from the, uh, the Big 10 or, or the ACC just to see, you know, hey, you're going to see maybe one series of starters. Both teams understand you're not going full bore. You're not trying to kill anybody. Quarterbacks aren't live still, but you're then you're going to be able to see that experience. And there's going to be some competition between an, an Arkansas and a pit or something like that, just to get the fans more excited and get the coaches and players excited too, to kind of see how things stack up between two, you know, teams that will never see each other within a season. You know, along those lines, I've always thought that it'd be a good idea to have to eliminate FBS, FCS matchups in the regular season and instead have those FCS teams come and play as your spring game opponent. I think that would be amazing. Like, I mean, have UAPB come to town for a scrimmage, essentially. And I feel like that would be good. Plus, 
you know, in, I feel like in scrimmages, you're always kind of have it in the back of your mind, like, oh, it's a scrimmage, so I need to maybe not go quite as hard. And, you know, I've always heard coaches, you know, even when I was playing in high school, like, well, if you're not going 100%, that's when you can get hurt. And I feel like if you're playing a real game, like what Alex was just saying, there's maybe even a, as, as it sounds, you know, not like it should be, but it's, you might have a less of an opportunity to get hurt just because you're, you're playing like it would a regular game. Um, and I think that would be a, a great idea. Eliminate FCS games. No one wants to watch Arkansas destroy Florida A&M in the regular season. That's just not entertaining at all. So why not have UAPB or Alcorn State or whoever, Eastern Illinois, somebody come into town. You could give them, still give them a, a nice paycheck. And I think that would also draw more fans. And I think more fans would want to watch that. I think it would create more excitement in the fan base. Um and I mean, it, and it's not like that's completely unprecedented either. Um, the baseball and softball teams, they always have, you know, fall scrimmages against other teams. Arkansas didn't do it this year, but before COVID and everything, they did. Like they would have scrimmages against Little Rock or uh, against, I think they had one against Oklahoma, um, some, some teams like that. I'm not saying you need to play, you know, a power five team, like what Alex was suggesting. Cause I figure most coaches aren't going to like that. Cause then you're like, Oh, well, you know, have a chance to lose more of a chance to get injured. But of course on the flip side, if you play an FCS team, you know, some poor small kid from UAPB could get annihilated from an Arkansas player. That's, you know, an SEC caliber athlete and get hurt. But so they, I, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but man, that would be kind of my, I've heard that suggested before and I'm, I'm all for it. I think that would be extremely entertaining. I think, you know, you, you talk about the, well, some kid could get injured. I mean, if you're always scared that someone's going to get injured, then what's the point? I get that it's a scrimmage, but even if you're playing a UAPB in the regular season and somebody gets injured, it's the same concept as if you played them in the spring game because you're expecting to dominate UAPB in the regular season. So I don't know. And plus, yes, it would get more fans out there because as we have noticed in the business, people, even though it's, you know, basketball just wrapped up. It's baseball season. I feel like people still want football more than anything. So if you had another team come in, you'd get more fans out there. It'd be better content, especially for us. Because, I mean, like, Hutch, for you, I mean, you're going to be out there Saturday. What are you supposed to write about on an open practice? You know, like you've been going to practices all spring. And so it's basically going to be the same thing as your, you know, takeaways from this practice. And kind of along the same lines of that, we'll transition into this. You went to practice this Tuesday. Tell us about some takeaways you had. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I even actually made this comment. It's funny. You said that to another reporter saying, well, I got to really you know, pay attention, right? The same takeaways I've been writing for three weeks now. Um, it just feels like we've reached that point of, of spring ball. Uh, but, you know, there is always different things happening. You know, I always like to to take particular interest in the quarterbacks, even though we do know that KJ is definitely the starting quarterback. Uh, I took particular interest in, you know, the other guys and how Malik is looking. And uh, my biggest takeaway from Malik as a quarterback is that he's I feel like he has the potential to be a very good quarterback. He's just so inconsistent right now. I mean, he threw, I mean, one, one sequence really illustrated it on, on Tuesday, they were in a red zone kind of seven-on-seven seven segment, and he tried throwing a pass in a hole that I don't think Tom Brady could have thrown a pass through. And it was intercepted uh, by uh, Brini, the, the transfer from Georgia. 
And I'm like, what, what is he doing? Like, why, why did he think that was a good decision? But then on the next play, he threw a perfectly placed out route for a touchdown to, I believe, Bryce Stevens. I mean, it was perfectly placed. It looked pretty. I'm like, oh, man, that was a heck of a throw on back-to-back plays. And I will say that there was a little bit of that with K.J. Jefferson back whenever he was a younger quarterback. I think he was a little bit further along than where Malik is right now as a passer, but there was still a little bit of that to to K.J.'s game previously. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to fully give up on Malik as a quarterback, although we have been getting some look at him as a wide receiver. Uh, we, Including on Tuesday, uh, they tried to throw a fade route, K.J. to Malik, uh, in that same uh, red zone segment. And you can tell Malik is not used to playing wide receiver. He did not go up and try to high point the ball like you expect whenever you're throwing a fade route. And because of that, it was a, it was a really well-placed ball by KJ. Uh, but uh, I think it was Hudson Clark was in uh, defending it and he was able to, to break up the pass uh, because Malik didn't go up and try to high point it. Um, that, that, but that's, that's one of those like kind of like intricacies of the, of the position. Like, yo, know, as a wide receiver, you got to know when to do that. And he's just not used to that. He's been playing quarterback his whole life. So uh, that could maybe develop, uh, but it is something to keep on in mind when you're thinking about Malik as a wide receiver. It's probably going to be more of just a package type deal for, for specialty type plays. Um, you hope they can get creative enough with it where you don't know, okay, this is exactly what's going to happen every time he's in there. Uh, but I do think that it, it is – not a thing where he's going to be like, okay, well, he's going to go out there for an entire series and we're going to run our offense as if, you know, Warren Thompson or Keytron Jackson or whatever was in his position. So something, something to keep an eye on um, as far as that's concerned. Those are probably my biggest takeaways. And I'll give you another defensive one. I feel like the linebackers are going to be pretty good this year. I know that's crazy because you do lose Grant Morgan, who was a second team All-American in 2020. Uh, Hayden Henry is also gone, uh, but you do have Bumper Pool, who was probably the best of the bunch last year. And then Drew Sanders has been really impressive. Uh, his athleticism, they haven't been tackling, you know, when we've been there, but his athleticism is really apparent, uh, and he's also tall and big. Uh, I, just, I just feel like he's going to be a really good player, uh, and I'm anxious to see how Pooh Paul does. You know, he's, he missed last, uh, last week with a concussion, uh, was back in a green jersey on Tuesday, um, and so I, I haven't really gotten to see a ton of him. But they they really like what he brings to the table as well. So I, I think they're going to be you know pretty solid at linebacker, uh, as well as you throw in Jordan Crooked in the mix. And I, I've I've really liked what I've seen from him. Just very instinctual. It seems like he always knows where the ball is and is able to sniff it out uh, and, and makes plays you know at or near the line of scrimmage. Uh, so he's another guy I think could maybe. Um, you know, give some, uh, you know, get some run here uh, in the uh, in the upcoming season. You know, Caden Henley is another guy that uh, another true freshman uh, that got some got some love from Barry Odom on Saturday. But I, I really think Jordan Crook is the guy as a true freshman who could contribute in uh, 2022. Also on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Landon Jackson was back at practice, I guess, for the first time because he, he transferred from LSU, but he's been hurt. Um, maybe just give us an injury update on – so you saw Landon Jackson at practice, maybe some other guys who are injured or uh, guys who are in green jerseys at practice. Yes, yeah, so uh, yeah, I mentioned Pooh Paul, the linebacker. He was in green. Uh, I think he should be full go for Thursday based on what Sam Pittman said. So that's good. 
the other two guys that have been in green pretty much all spring have been uh, Jalen Catalan, the safety. He's coming back from season-ending shoulder surgery. Uh, so that's kind of more of like a precautionary type thing. And then Jaden Hazelwood, the wide receiver transfer from Oklahoma, uh, he's been in green pretty much since the first week of, of spring ball because he, he, he hurt his, his shoulder in practice. And he's just been kind of a little bit of a nagging injury. I don't think it's like super serious or anything because he's been able to practice through it, but it has been a little nagging. Um, and then uh, another guy, uh, there were several guys that were not at uh, Tuesday or did not participate in Tuesday's practice. You know, Trey Knox, you know, he's still battling a concussion that he got in a car accident over spring break. Um, and so that's uh, something to keep an eye on. Hopefully he's able to come back and participate maybe in the last week of, of practice, but I fully expect him not to play in uh, Saturday's, you know, red, white game. Um, then you've got, uh, you know, Dalton Wagner. He's got a kind of a back thing. that's kind of nagging. They're being very cautious with him, but he's a super senior. So he's not a guy you really need to get a bunch of reps um, as far as like, you know, in practice and stuff. Uh, Ricky Stromberg did not participate in, in Tuesday's practice. And again, probably precautionary. Don't think it's anything serious. And then you mentioned Landon Jackson coming back. He's coming back from a torn ACL. I learned uh, that he suffered at LSU. Uh, he was back kind of going through drills, but he's probably still a long ways off from being able to participate in team activity type stuff. So a lot of, a lot of little things here and there, but as of right now, nothing like super serious. Although I will mention, uh, Jaqueline Crawford, the wide receiver who's been here a couple of years, transferred here from Oklahoma. Uh, he has a broken leg. Uh, sounds like it's a pretty severe broken leg because he was in another car accident on spring break. Uh, there was two Razorback players involved in car accidents over spring break, and he apparently broke his leg. Uh, it has not been out at practice at all since then, obviously. And uh, don't know what his status is. Haven't gotten an update from Sam Pittman on that. Probably need to ask him about it. Uh, but that's that's the that's probably the most significant injury we've seen during spring ball, and it didn't even happen at practice. All right, well, let's transition over to recruiting for football, and this is where Alex, you get to you get to come in on this one. So this weekend, it is a holiday weekend. It's Easter on Sunday, so I think we're all fully expecting somebody to just commit on Easter. So Alex, maybe tell us about some guys that you know that are going to be on campus. And uh, I don't know if you have anybody that you think is on commitment watch, but uh, just take us through your, your thought process on all that. Yeah, the, the Hogs are following up a huge weekend on the trail with another huge weekend on the trail. Um, last week you saw, we, talk, we talked about some of the guys coming in, two top quarterbacks from future classes. Uh, Keldon Ryan, who then went and got an invite to the underclassmen challenge at the Rivals camp this weekend. Um, there's a story about him up on Hogbeat as well as a 2023 lineman, uh, number 56 overall in the country in, in 2023. Um, six, seven, 335 pounds, massive, massive kid. Um, and he has a, a tie to Arkansas that's really, really interesting with the staff uh, in that one of Arkansas's new defensive quality control uh, assistants was was one of his assistant coaches in uh or at east illinois high school in um in illinois so really an interesting connection there and, and something that may work in arkansas's favor but moving towards this weekend another huge group like i mentioned um one of the top quarterbacks in the country and Jaden rashad is going to be here out of california 
someone that Arkansas, you know, was in on early, didn't really necessarily look like they had the best chance, um, but now he's making another or he's making a visit to Arkansas. So if you can get someone on campus, you can never really count yourself out of a race, um, as well as another top 100 guy in Cedric Baxter out of Florida, um, who I, I believe, Hutch, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he, he included Arkansas in either his top 12 or his top eight on New Year's Day. Um, and, and, you know, ha has looked promising and it could be a massive pickup for Arkansas at running back, especially given, you know, you're seeing a guy like Rashad Dubinion do really well in practice and get praise from coaches. If you can add a, another guy in a consecutive class, that's going to be that same type of caliber of guy, then, then you're really looking at, at a potential run on running backs if you're Arkansas. Um, and then it is just another huge weekend on the offensive line. I mean, uh, a guy who's been here twice before, Connor Stroh, um, is going to be in town, number 246 overall. Uh, he was able to uh, pick up an offer at Texas A&M last weekend where his parents went to school. So that's never going to be an easy race for Arkansas to win. But um, speaking to him before uh, about his previous visits, he seems very, very interested in Arkansas, really likes what uh, – coach Pittman and, and coach Cody Kennedy are doing. Um, and then you've got another guy who was on campus just last month in Luke Brown, who's, who's a four-star offensive lineman out of Tennessee. And he, he, he's back again. He did pick up, you, you know, there was a prediction on another site last week where, you know, potentially he, he could be committing to Arkansas. Um, that's just someone to look out for. I was, I reached out to him, wasn't able to get anything back from him, but that's a guy where you're back on campus for a second consecutive month. You picked up your offer last month and you said that Arkansas was in your top schools, um, kind of fits the Arkansas mold, which is what some people on our board has point have pointed out that he's, he's, you know, like a kind of a, kind of a Tennessee guy. He, he likes fishing, he likes the, the outdoorsy stuff. And, and we're better to do that uh, than the Northwest Arkansas and in the natural state. So it, it does fit personality wise. It's just a matter of, you know, is it this weekend who, where else is his recruitment gone? Um, and I think that'll be something that'll be interesting to see. And if we're able to talk to him, then, then definitely something that, that I think y'all would be interested in hearing um, on Hogby and on the board. Okay, Alex, I want to ask you, so right now Arkansas has got 10 commitments in the 2023 class, ranked number three in the nation according to rivals. Um, where can you see or what position do you think that they might be targeting in this class? Because right now you look at it, I mean, they got three tight ends, a couple defensive ends, um, a linebacker, an offensive lineman, or two linebackers. So it's just like, it feels like it's just multiple guys at a couple different positions and maybe a position that they're looking for that, I don't know, you're, you're the recruiting guy. So what do you think they're going after? And maybe if somebody does commit, is there a, a specific position you think it might be from? Um, like I mentioned, I think if, if we see something this weekend, it, it could be on the offensive line. I'm not sure that Stroh is in that position, especially after just adding that A&M offer. But you've got Luke Brown on campus. You've got a couple top top guys that are going to be here and be um, have already shown interest in Arkansas. Uh, one position they they desperately need, and you know, not taking a quarterback in twenty twenty two means you have to hit on your guy in twenty three. They're not going to get a commitment this weekend from Jaden Rashada. But boy, if you're Kendall Bryles, you'd sure love to see one. Um, it. He's probably the biggest name on the board this weekend, and for good reason. Um, but I think that is one where 
he's he's feeling out the process he's going on all of his visits and he's going to make sure that he's making the right decision for him um so so that process will take time to play itself out but i think you'd love to see a quarterback added uh potentially another wide receiver and, and you'd like to see a running back you saw a really nice running back class last season um if you can bring in another running back that that is of that caliber like i mentioned of rashad dubinian um, then, then I think that would be huge. Uh, and then you can never, you can never say no to a, a solid defensive back. It's one of the most important positions in football. You'd always, uh, you'd always take a guy, especially with the guys of the caliber they're bringing in uh, high three stars, low four stars. That would be a commitment that you would willingly and, and gladly take if you're Dominique Bowman and Barry Odom. Speaking of Barry Odom, uh, Arkansas media got a rare a uh, chance at talking with Kendall Bryles and Barry Odom. So, Hutch, what do you think of that? Maybe some takeaways you had for people who haven't listened. Because, um, like I said, I mean, how often do you get to talk to the coordinators at Arkansas? Yeah, this is maybe going to be one of maybe two times we get to talk to them all year. Uh, really kind of stinks. Uh, that's just kind of Sam Pittman's policy. He learned it from Kirby Smart, who learned it from – uh, Nick Saban. So that kind of tells you everything you need to know. Um, but we did get to talk to them and they're, they're always really insightful. I always like, uh, you know, hearing their comments. Uh, of course, you know, the number one topic of, of this, in my opinion, was, you know, why in the world are they still here? You know, I mean, it, it, I don't think anybody thought whenever they became Arkansas coordinators in Sam Pittman's first year, especially when they had that success, that little taste of success that first year, that they would be back for a third year. And here we are uh, still here. They just recently signed extensions. I think they're on, on under contract through the 2023 season, I believe. Uh, so they could be here a fourth season as well, uh, barring, you know, something coming up, you know, Barry Odom, uh, you know, talked about, he doesn't necessarily just want to take a head coaching job just to be a head coach. He said his ego doesn't need that. Um, which I think if you're an Arkansas fan, you've got to love that. Plus, he also got to factor in the fact that it's, I think his, he's got children that are still in school. I think he's got a son that's a football player, pretty good football player at Shiloh Christian. You probably don't want to, you know, rip up your family and move them again uh, when they're, you know, that close to finishing up. I don't know how old his other kids are. Uh, that's something to factor in. And I think Kendall Bryles, similar situation. He's got family and, and he had been at his previous three jobs for just one year. And if I'm guessing, he probably has a, you know, his, his wife and kids are probably like, dad, please, we don't, we don't want to move again. And, and I think that probably plays into it and benefits Arkansas. Plus uh, he really likes the fact that for the first time that he's as an offensive coordinator, he's going to have a returning starting quarterback in KJ Jefferson. He's never had that. Uh, I think that whenever uh, he was at Baylor, I think they had RG three, you know, for multiple years, but I think at that time he was maybe the receivers coach or something uh, so it wasn't during his time as an offensive coordinator. So, uh, but if you can have any type of close to success like that, as RG3 did uh, his last year at Baylor, I think Arkansas fans would, would love it. So to me, that's kind of the biggest thing. And I wrote a big story about it uh, on, on Sunday. You can go find that at hogbeat.com of their full comments and what they said about the, you know, staying in Arkansas. I think if you're an Arkansas fan, you'll, you'll love to hear what they said. Uh, so that, that was, to me, was my biggest takeaway uh, from from getting to talk to them all right well that's going to wrap up our football talk next we got to get into some basketball news we're not going to hit baseball because by the time you listen to this podcast arkansas will have already played a game against lsu 
So if you want to listen to baseball content, go listen to the Diamond Hogs podcast. That is also available on hogbeat.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we will be right back to talk some basketball. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hog Beat Hour talking some basketball this segment. So Arkansas adds another transfer in Jalen Graham from Arizona State. I mean, Arkansas has the best transfer class so far. Of course, it's early. Not a whole lot of teams have picked up other transfers, so... Um, and Arkansas is at what four now? So good, good for the Hogs. Jalen Graham, another big pickup. I mean, Eric Musselman continues to dominate the transfer portal. And uh, Hutch just, I mean, you, you've probably talked with JC Hoops. He he does some stuff over at Hogbeat.com. I'm sure you've done your own research on Jalen Graham. Just give us give us a little bit about what Arkansas is getting in Jalen Graham. Yeah, so Graham is a, a guy that comes to Arkansas from Arizona State, as you mentioned, so a Pac-12 school. Uh, so he's played at the at a really high level as far as, you know, his competition and everything. Um, and he's another he's another big man. He's, I think he's six foot nine, uh, so another really tall, long guy, uh, kind of similar to the other guys that they've added in the portal. Um, and plus he comes to Arkansas as, I think it was a second team all-conference performer in the Pac-12. And that, that tells me that, that he's a really good player. Um, I know talking to J.C. Hoops, Jackson, uh, he, was, he was saying that he's probably the most excited about Jalen Graham and thinks he could be the biggest contributor of the uh, incoming transfers just because of what he was able to do. I think he averaged just under 10 points a game last year as a junior. Uh, but that maybe is a little bit misleading because he kind of got off to kind of a, a, a tough start. He was in and out of the lineup. But once he returned to the lineup for good, I think Jackson wrote that over his last 17 games, he averaged like 13-point-something points a game. That's pretty good. Uh, you know, in the Pac-12, those are all against conference conference opponents. Uh, so uh, really, really solid pickup. And I think just kind of further proves that Eric Musselman – when he sat down and was looking at his roster, you know, after that Duke loss, he said, we need more size. Even if Jalen Williams comes back, you know, we need more size. And and I think they had, I think they only had two guys, six, nine or taller on last year's team. And one of those is Connor Vanover who uh, has since transferred. I think we talked about that last, uh, last episode, but you know, he's gone, uh, really didn't play a whole lot. And it was basically just Jalen Williams. It was all, all the size you really had. Other than that, you had a bunch of six, seven dudes. You know, Adis Tony, I think, was six, six. Trey Wade, I believe, was six, seven. Kamani Johnson, I want to say, is six, seven. Uh, so you didn't really have a, a much, much, you know, real height. And now you're adding four to those guys. And if Jalen comes back, you've got five that are six, nine or taller. I think that was that. I don't think that was an accident. I think that they made a concerted point of, of bringing in more size and length and athleticism. And I think that that's what the, just what they've done. And, and I hope we get to talk to Eric Musselman at some point relatively soon, maybe after Jalen Williams makes his final decision, we'll get an opportunity to do that. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, what exactly went into that, uh, you know, thought process, his reasoning, because he's a guy that, that is really open with the media with that kind of stuff. And I'm sure he'll give us a, a great answer. Yeah, I, I think I saw something. So all four of the transfers are at least 6'9", like you mentioned. And, I mean, they're bringing in Jordan Walsh and Nick Smith, who I believe are both 6'7". And uh, it just feels like you're right. They made a point on, hey, we got to bring in some size because if you look at it, 
I mean, not this past season, the season before the first Elite Eight with Justin Smith. I mean, at 6'6", Justin Smith was normally the tallest guy on the court for Arkansas. And so for them to go from that to what they're looking at next season, I think they realize, hey, we, I mean, we've, we've got the formula. We just need to add the size. And so now that they have the size, I, I don't know. I was talking to some people, and I think it's, it's great for Arkansas to get all this talent, but you look at it moving forward to next season, the expectation is going to be very high. And I feel like when the expectation is that high, sometimes it's always hard to live up to it. Um, but I don't know, Hutch, you look at this talent, they're, they're going to be really good next year as far as talent on the team goes. It's just about how they're going to be able to mesh. And I've, it's probably going to be hard to do that early in the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out, especially with them, uh, their early season uh, event that they're playing in next year is the Maui Invitational. So they're going to get some big-time competition really early uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, going to get really re- a, a big test there. Um, but you got 10 newcomers. You got six incoming freshmen and four transfers. And I guess technically that could change. They could even add some more. But as it stands right now, that's 10 newcomers. I mean, I thought last year was a lot. I think last year or even the year before, like, I mean, we were talking, you know, eight, nine newcomers. Now it's even more. And plus, you don't really have very many returning contributors. I mean, as it stands right now, you've got Devo, who is a you know major returning contributor. And then outside of that, you've got what? I mean, Kamani Johnson, Jackson Robinson, you know, who knows what Jalen Williams does? You know, if, if Jalen comes back, that would obviously be huge. You return at least one of your starters. But man, it, it it's gonna be a completely different team, completely new look, and they're gonna have to figure out how to mesh. And you hope that they can do it sooner than you know the first start of sec play so they don't just go ahead and dig themselves a you know oh and three hole or whatever it was and even the year before that i think they were like two and four in conference play before they really turned it on so you hope that they can figure it out sooner than that uh but it's gonna be tough i mean 10 newcomers that's i'm 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 glad i'm not the one having to figure out how to make it all work yeah, no, I agree. I also, I think I misspoke. I think I said Nick Smith is six seven. I was thinking of Anthony Black. He's six seven. So, uh, I apologize for that. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. It, it's new for Arkansas, but if you look at the the teams like your Dukes, your Kentuckys, your Kansas, like those teams have figured it out. And you got to think if there's any coach who can look at another program and say, "Hey, I can learn from this. We can do that too." It's Eric Musselman. So, I think uh, it but it's new to Arkansas. Like when has Arkansas ever had this happen before where you're bringing in this many new guys, this good of a recruiting class, three McDonald's all Americans. I mean, it's just, it's, it's new. It's new for us as media. It's new for the fans. It's new for the program. So, um, but as far as, as far as uh, the, the current roster and we need to talk about that. So Devo Davis, he announced on Twitter, um, a fake cognonymous account tweeted out here in rumblings that Devo Davis might transfer. He quote tweets it and says, this is news to me with a graphic that's like run it back or something. I can't remember what it said, but basically he's like, I'm coming back next season. So according to Devo Davis on Twitter, he's coming back. And then that leaves us with Jalen Williams, uh, Kamani Johnson, as you've mentioned, and then Jackson Robinson. So Hutch, I, I feel like the Jalen Williams decision, not many people know. We saw that he was given the, the key to the city of Fort Smith. So uh, that, was, that was a good thing. Kamani Johnson has tweeted out and said, hey, I want to partner with businesses in Arkansas. Kind of made it seem like he wants to stay. 
Jackson Robinson. I don't really know if we've heard much from Jackson Robinson. I, I, I feel like maybe there's some insider information that he might transfer, he might not. Just what are you hearing on that? Yeah, it's a little di- it's a little weird because the other guys, as you said, have been very vocal and, and out there in the public, and we haven't really seen much from Jackson. Um, but, you know, it, he's kind of in a tricky situation here because he's already transferred once before, and the, the whole free transfer thing only applies to your first transfer. He could probably get a waiver, you know, if, if he is the guy, that, you know, if he decides to transfer out because as of right now, those four guys you mentioned, there's only room for three of them. Now that could be Jalen Williams moving on to the NBA and, you know, the other three guys return. But if, if Jalen decides he comes back, you know, you're obviously going to make room for him. Uh, so that leaves, you know, Devo, Kamani or Jackson. And based on the comments Jackson and, or based on the comments that Kamani and, and Devo have made on social media and stuff, you feel like they really want to be back. I guess they could be asked to move on, but uh, then that leaves you Jackson Robinson. That that's the guy that, I'm kind of keeping an eye on uh, over the next couple of days to see if something happens. And who knows, by the time you've listened to this, this may be old news. I don't know. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see how it turns out. You know, it, it stinks that it didn't work out for him because he was a guy that you thought was going to be your sharpshooter, a guy who could knock down some threes for you. He started a handful of games this year, and then his playing time dwindled, and he never really played down the stretch. So he kind of fits the profile of a guy who would want to leave um but again this is all speculation at this point at this time of, of recording on thursday morning well speaking of speculation i think we could all just go around go around the horn and give our opinion of Jalen williams and we'll start with alex what do you think Jalen should do i mean it doesn't really matter what you think but we can give our opinion what do i think he should do i i, I think you know we've seen on twitter like you mentioned he got the key to fort smith he, he went viral last week for taking a charge or, or for having a charge taken on him by a little kid. Uh, he, and he throws out the, you know, I'm not used to being on the receipt or I'm not used to getting called for the charge. Um, and he's just a really like, like you look at him and you, you look at a guy that, that you think is likable. Um, you never really know with, with people that you're not you know close with, but he looks like a likable guy. He looks like someone that people want to get to know. And I think, especially in the age of NIL, unless you're a first round draft pick, you're coming you would be coming back to a team that, that's got national championship hopes and if a team can win a national championship that's an automatic stock booster um and and if if that's the case with nil i think there's so much money to be made if you're Jalen williams you can go down as an arkansas legend you probably already are but you can really cement yourself um and, and continue to bring in money for a long long time even if the nba uh doesn't necessarily stick and you have some things you need to work on as well it's not like you're a finished product i if i'm him i would stay and i, and I would you know cash in on that nil money and make a run in a national championship yeah i i think that's a good point i look at Jalen williams and if you if you just pay attention to this past season Every time they were doing starting lineup announcements, it felt like Jalen Williams got the biggest cheer every game. And so he's definitely a fan favorite. He had the charge counter. Um, he definitely became a, a national guy where people were noticing Jalen Williams. So not only was he a Razorback fan favorite, I don't know. I don't know if I would say he was a national fan favorite. A lot of people didn't like him because of him taking charges. But uh, I think I think you're right. I, I look at him as kind of like a Devo Davis from last year. Everybody um, really started to like Devo towards the end of the year. He became a fan favorite. 
got all those NIL deals. And I mean, this year, I mean, we saw it on the court. It wasn't kind of what we expected. I, I hope that if Jalen Williams comes back, cashes in on some NIL stuff, that doesn't happen to him. I mean, we know he's already cashed in on some NIL stuff, but you're right. I think as a fan favorite, I mean, he, he, he is a, he could go down as an Arkansas legend right now if he left right now. So um, as far as going into the draft, I really don't know. Hutch, I want to know your opinion because we've kind of talked about it off air, but I want to know what you're thinking. It's been a while since we talked about it. I still really think he could benefit from another year. There's, there's definitely aspects of his game that I feel like are things that he could improve and improve his draft stock. Um, you know, there's, We've talked about, you know, J.D. Note, you know, he left because, you know, what 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 could he really improve? I mean, yeah, there's a couple things here and there, but he was getting to that age point where it's like, okay, you, you need to start your professional career, whether that be in the G League, overseas, whatever. Jalen Williams, he's still kind of a young guy. You know, he just finished his sophomore year. He's going to be a junior next year if he decides to come back. Um, he could easily improve – or I don't say easily. He could – there's definitely aspects you can look at. Like he can improve his, his jump shot. You know, he can improve where he can, you know, shoot, you know, the long two or the three um, at a higher clip. I think he's like a 23% three point shooter or something. If he could just get that up around 30 or something like that, 32, that would be massive. Um, he could become more of a, a true rim defender. I would like to see him block some more shots next year, opposed to taking so many charges uh, because that's uh, based on what I've read. Uh, I'm not a big NBA guy, uh, but I've read, you know, that there really isn't a whole lot of charge taken in the NBA. Uh, you you want to block shots. And plus, you also don't want, you know, you don't want LeBron James running you over in the paint. That cannot feel too good. So uh, that's kind of how I stand on it. But the one thing that makes me kind of at ease with this is that he's going to make the best decision regardless. Jalen Williams is a smart, smart dude. He's got a great family. And he's going to listen to what the coaches are telling him. He's going to listen to what the scouts are telling him. And he's going to make the right decision. You know, whether that's the decision we all want it to be, I think we all want to see him back in an Arkansas uniform next year, just selfishly, because he's a really good player, really great with the media, everything like that. But if the best decision is him to go in the draft because he's going to be a late first-round pick, I respect that. And and if that's what he's getting back and he wants to do, then – that's the decision he's going to make. Uh, it's not going to be one of those where it's like, oh, man, I don't. why would you enter the draft and you're going to go undrafted and not going to have any type of future in the sport. You're leaving behind two years of eligibility in, the, <laughs> in, in college. I don't think we're going to have to deal with that. I mean, whatever he does, it's going to be the best decision uh, for him and his family. Okay. Um, I don't think we talked about this on the last episode, but – after kind of after the national championship, they came out with like way too early top 25s. Is this something we want to talk about? Arkansas was number one on a lot of lists. Is that, I mean, is, is that worthy of Arkansas being number one? How do we feel about the way too early top 25s? Well, I don't know how I feel about being a preseason number one because, well, one, I haven't really seen that too many times in my lifetime. Uh, the one time I remember it was the 2013 baseball team. And they didn't even make it out of a regional. They had to go on the road to Kansas State, and they lost in the regional. Uh, really, really disappointing year whenever they had such high expectations going into it. Um, I don't know what the how the AP poll is going to shake out, but typically being the preseason number one team in the AP poll does not equal success. I did the research. I think it's like 
four or five teams over the last 40 years or something. Like, you know, back whenever UCLA was on its run, uh, they were always preseason number one and they always won it because they won like 10 straight or something ridiculous like that. Um, but since then, you know, in the post UCLA dominance era, uh, it was, I mean, the handful of teams here and there that were preseason number one that made it. You want to be preseason top five, preseason top 10, because that's a, the champion typically comes from that list. But being preseason number one, that you come with a target on your back. I mean, look at the baseball team last year. They weren't preseason number one, but they were number one throughout the entire season, and they didn't even make it to Omaha. Um, that it's it, it's it's tough, and uh, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm torn on it. I, I think that I'd like them to be like maybe number three preseason or something like that. That that's personally my my uh, preference. But uh, I guess being preseason number one and all these you know way too early polls. At least it's good positive pub. Yeah, I think I think that it's cool now, and it's like, well, people are starting to respect Arkansas, but you get down the line, if they're still preseason number one, like a week before the season starts, then I don't know, that's scary. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, y'all, you, y'all know how I feel about preseason polls. I, I hate them because especially there, there's maybe going to be four guys returning this season or, or maybe three guys returning this season. This you don't, you haven't seen the teams play together. So, so I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do think, you know, we've been saying it even earlier this year when when the team was kind of slanting and we weren't quite sure if it was going to be even a tournament team, let alone an elite eight team. Um, This, this upcoming year, 2022, 2023 has always been the year Um, Arkansas landed Nick Smith. They have the class, they have the talent to do it. Um, now it's a matter of executing, and I think having that number one by your side, it can be a boost of confidence. But what we've seen from Eric Musselman teams is that they have that confidence already. So, so it might just be a target on their back. There's really no way to tell how the team's going to react when you haven't been in that position. But, but I think it is probably fair. I mean, you've got as much talent as anyone in the country. Duke is coming back with a number one class, but without their coach, who's won them so many games. Um, it's really, really interesting, and I'm really excited to get back. You know, I love college football. I'm also really, really excited to get back into basketball season this year. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for uh, this episode of Hogbeat Hour. Reminder, we didn't talk baseball because by the time you listen to it, a game will have been played. So if you want baseball content, go listen to the Diamond Hogs podcast. That is all on hogbeat.com. It's on the Hogbeat YouTube and just wherever you get your podcasts. So – Other than that, thanks for listening to the Hogmeade Hour.